Thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Yeah, good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Monday, February 5th, and today is, oh man, of course, this is today. Today is National Shower with a Friend Day, you guys. And basically, yeah. all you have to do to shower with a friend is walk outside today because I think it's raining across the entire America today. It's, oh, it's, you're so, oh, you're so PG today, Jason. So <laughs> it's also National Weather Persons Day, which I find extremely ironic that it's raining cats and dogs outside today. And, you know, and Ma Matthew and Yarrow, their Internet's down. So they're joining us via via phone call in today. So we've got a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff going on today. But thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see exactly where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And that's right on our very own website at www.hyatt9news.com. But kicking it off first, we have the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite. He is the happy cabbage patch. And we're not talking about just happy cabbage patch kids. We're talking about actual happy cabbage. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite. Oh, yeah, Jason. I got some heat for you, man, coming oh, out of... Uh... yeah. Tenna Key. Luke tried to steal your story today. So, uh, what's that? Luke tried to steal your story today. Come on, Luke. Come on, <laughs> Listen, it, it was a good one. You, it's a treat. I can't wait to hear Luke's response. I can't wait to hear your response. Definitely a treat today. Thing, right, so uh, country music star and Hootie and the Blowfish front man, Darius Rucker, was arrested for a minor drug offense last Thursday in Williamson County, Tennessee, and booked on three separate charges. Mm -hmm. While it might be humorous to some that the once seemingly clean-cut celeb was popped for riding dirty, what's strange about this incident is that Rucker was initially pulled over for the alleged offenses February 19th of 2023. Officers on the scene claimed to have smelled marijuana coming from his vehicle before asking Rucker about whether he'd smoked that evening. He then said he promptly uh, replied no, though he allegedly said he may have smoked in the day prior. The cops searched the car and say they discovered what they suspected was THC pen, uh, along with 14 unmarked purple pills, later tested and identified to be psilocin, 
a Schedule One controlled substance similar to psilocybin or magic mushrooms. One of the officers said that he then informed Rucker that he'd have to pat him down. Darius then handed him a small blunt from his pocket before being searched. <laughs> he was released from the scene without charges pending identification of the pills. Police alleged that Rucker said that the pills were given to him by his girlfriend, Summer. A girlfriend the cops later found out never existed. <laughs> I guess it took 10 months for them to figure out what the pills were and also that Summer was a made-up name because according to official documents, a warrant was finally issued for his arrest in December and that the girlfriend Rucker was referring to was actually a comedian, Kate Quigley. Further details were released over the weekend, including two counts of simple possession, a casual exchange of a controlled substance, and deputies also say he was charged for expired tags on his car before being released on $10,500 bond. Moments after TMZ broke the news, Rucker's ex-girlfriend, Kate Quigley, broke her silence on social media uh, on the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, calling him a douchebag X and said that he that his bust was quote, karma. Yahoo Entertainment News reported that it's also unclear what happened between Rucker and Quigley, but the former couple called it quits just before she reportedly suffered an accidental overdose. Quigley alleged, allegedly used cocaine laced with fentanyl uh, while partying at a, a neighbor's house alongside comedians Fuquan Johnson and Rico Colangeli uh, and her friend Natalie Williamson. While the drugs landed quickly in the hospital, Johnson, Colangeli, and Williamson unfortunately passed away following the overdose. Following his release, Rucker's lawyer said he's fully cooperating with authorities related to misdemeanor charges. The singer previously opened up about his drug use and party days to the LA Times, saying in an interview that doing drugs and drinking every night, I've done that. One time we did a four-day contest to see who would stay up the longest. God, we used to do some dumb stuff. Allegedly so. Uh, so far, no other information has been released on the arrest, but given Quigley's response and, delayed, and the delayed move by the cops, speculation is swirling that Rucker may have allegedly been involved with the deaths of the group of Quigley's friends that fateful night. I know more details are still to come, but it's stories like this that's the reason I don't party like I used to. Whether you're an average Joe or an A-list celebrity, you can still score bad batches of whatever. And next thing you know, the folks you care most about are not breathing anymore. We'll keep you all up to speed with any updates uh, we receive on this one. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. Interested in the rest of the team's thoughts. What do you all think took the cops so long to take Hootie in? Hold on, so he blamed, um, he blamed it on Summer. Is that, is, is, summer is that, didn't uh, exist. Yeah. He's, he's blaming it on Summer, right? This is alias, his female alias. I just want to know how come when my ex messes up, I don't get the opportunity to be interviewed about it. Like, oh, wow. wow. I mean, if that happens with me, she's going to be getting interviewed a lot. Very, very fair I point. Think you, Hootie, I think Hootie should remix the old uh, beer and sunshine to maybe weed and mushrooms or something. Yeah. We got a new <laughs> remix for you, brother. <laughs> Man, we, have, we, we do have Willie Sheets joining us in studio live today, normally in the chat Sheet? all the time as Vermont Alternative has a dispensary out there in Vermont. What do you think about this, Willie? Uh, I just, I feel bad for Hootie. Whole, whole lot of bad stuff. You feel bad for him, huh? Yep. Well, I don't know. You feel like, bad for millionaires, huh? Yeah, I feel bad for the whole situation. None of, none of it sounds real good. Think about it. Like, the 
the situation with the fentanyl, of course, we hear that word and we all kind of freak out, right? But what he had in tablets was psilocin, which is just concentrated mushroom extract, mm -hmm. and it smelled like weed, right? They didn't actually find weed. Oh, they found a vape. They found a vape. No, he, no, no, he, he handed the cop too. a blunt when he said he was about oh, to pat him down. He pulled all, a blunt out of his pocket. Did ask yeah. you if you've been using weed or anything? The answer is no. Yeah. Never. Well, uh -uh. I mean, does anyone feel like when this th this case kind of reminds them a little bit of the uh, Johnny Depp case? Like, this is Johnny Depp 2.0? Yeah. No? It's, it's not a mega of it. It's what a is mega this, 1994? Yeah. What, what, what are you saying, Yarrow? We got Yarrow. Uh, say, say that again, Yarrow. It's not a mega pint. It's a mega blunt. It's a mega blunt. It's a, yes. it's a mega blunt. And he, he handed it to them, not because he was trying to buy them off, but he knew the pat-down would break his well-constructed blunt. So he was like, hey, man, you might check this in, or Hold I might use it to check out. But either mm -hmm. way, don't break Hold the my... blunt. Don't break the blunt. Hold this, hold this for me. I, I, I'm more surprised that he got pulled over in Tennessee with all this shit on him and did not get arrested as a black man. Maybe he sang to him. Maybe the cop was a was a country music fan. I don't know. Well, I think Darius Rucker in Tennessee has a little bit has a few more liberties than most black men. Perhaps is that what you guys I, you I guys speculating on? Hmm, interesting. Someone has more rights, huh? Yeah. Interesting. I'm just gonna say he would mm. be able to say I'm Darius Rucker. I'm not black. <laughs> I just I just lay out in the sun a lot. Uh, he's he's going to say he's going to pull the OJ line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. I'm, no, no, I'm no, not no. black. I'm, isn't I'm, isn't I'm, Tennessee, the, isn't Tennessee the state that's if, always if uh, busting Willie Nelson too? If the blunt doesn't hit, you must acquit. That's why he handed the cop the blunt. He's like, blow on this dog. It doesn't even it doesn't even work right. No, what, what they didn't say, Yarrow, is he handed them the blunt, but it was lit. They were smoking it. They were just firing up. It's I don't, not a big deal. You know what? I'm willing cool. to bet. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that that he he used the age old excuse and said, no, this is just THCA, you guys. Yeah, he should have said it was Delta Eight. Yeah, That's... Delta Eight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's February of last year. Was Delta 8 popping down there? Probably so. It mm -hmm. is Tennessee. Exactly. I think you're on to something. Yes. You have any more thoughts on this Yarrow or Matthew St. Germain? Just like I said, I think Tennessee is the same state that always pulls over Willie Nelson to bust him for weed and mushrooms, man. They should leave all of these singers alone. So, so you mean like they you should stop create having a, concerts in Tennessee? Soon. Should should they create like a like a like an artist kind of like a refugee drug camp kind of like what they did in uh in, in Oregon with the the city of Chad? I mean, really, the South should just join the twenty first century eventually. Come on, guys. <laughs> was it was it wasn't Chad? Wasn't that in Washington? It wasn't in Oregon, man. Oh, uh, Oregon, Washington. I, I think mean, that was Seattle. Yeah, it probably was Washington. It was Seattle, but whatever. Come on, Oregon, Washington, like it's all basically the same thing. He's been down south so long, he don't know what goes on up here. I, I have mean, no idea. It's cold. <laughs> Let me put it to you like this. I mean, it's really practically all just part of Canada. Eh? Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, bro. 
Come on, don't don't down our people up there in Seattle and and Portland and Brick City. Come on, brother. I'm just gonna say the that the, the, the weather. Northwest on Jason right now. Go into the chat line right now and stand up on Jason. He's the trying weather, to put down the Northwest. The weather. Yes. The weather is the same in <laughs> Vancouver as well as it is in Seattle and Portland. It's all the same. It's basically Southern Canada. Beautiful weather. Yeah, Southern Canada. Love I like that, Willie. Southern Canada. Yeah, what y'all gonna say about so that? Can, yeah, so can all that out. Mm -hmm. So can. So can. So can. Yes. And on that, we're gonna go to a commercial and we're gonna be right back. Oh man, that was weird. Hey you America. Do I look like Sean Connery? <laughs> Good morning, America. Saman Razani coming to you live from sunny Los Angeles, California with the one and only highest host, Mr. Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast? You can find it on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. No excuses in 2024. If you haven't checked us out, check it out now. And also, check out what The Prophet's doing in 2024. Oh, That's right. Yeah. He's the highest Republican in any given room known for smoking the best weed in the world. And this morning, he is joined by Mr. Vermont himself. One oh, has yes. to wonder, is he leaning towards the politics of Bernie Sanders? I don't Stop know. Stop it. Stop it. I do not know. Willie's actually Jason his neighbor. Back. Yeah. Willie is actually his neighbor, just so you guys know, too. He has a he has a piece of property just, you know, just like a couple, you know what I'm saying? Towns. What, what, couple towns. I mean... Wouldn't it just be a couple of roads, a couple turns? A few. I mean, I thought it was all villages in Vermont. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Does he seem, does, in person, does he, does he seem as angry as he always is on TV? I don't know. Never met him. He never met him, but he's his neighbor. Mm -hmm. You should send him over That's like true. a care package to his Vermont, house, like a little basket. Vermont's a small state, man. We got less people than Rhode Island. So, like, yeah. Oh, man. You see people. Oh, man. You know, well, I'll tell you guys, you know what? Not a day goes by that we don't love a New York story because a judge rejects a claim that New York's marijuana licensing cheats out-of-state applicants, you guys. That's right. A federal judge has rejected a challenge to New York State's licensing program for selling legal marijuana, a system two California applicants say unconstitutionally discriminates against out-of-state residents. The ruling on Friday by Albany Judge Annie M. Nardaki uh, may spur New York into issuing hundreds of licenses in a state where most marijuana is sold by unlicensed businesses. Naradaki said the public interest in letting properly licensed businesses take over the market in New York outweighed concerns raised in the lawsuit. She said the main purpose of the uh, Dormant Commerce Clause, plaintiffs argued, should allow them to access New York's market doesn't apply to the federally illegal cannabis trade. The clause is supposed to uh, stop states from creating protectionist measures to restrict interstate commerce in the absence of rules from Congress. Two companies controlled by Los Angeles residents had sought to temporarily restraining uh, a temporary restraining order better known as a tro and preliminary injunction in their mid-december lawsuit 
They aimed to stall the state's licensing process while the lawsuit proceeded. Naradaki rejected the request in a written ruling, saying in an injunction would follow the illicit store operators who now control the market to continue dominating it as the rollout of regulated licenses to sell cannabis products would be delayed. A lawyer for the plaintiff did not immediately respond to requests Sunday for comment, and New York State Attorney General Letitia James, I wonder if that is that the same lady that's prosecuting Trump? said in a statement that she was oh, pleased yeah. with the court's decision. Of course, she was pleased with the court's decision. In a quote, this is an important victory in our efforts to ensure that disproportionately impact communities are given their fair share in legal cannabis industry, James said. The state launched uh, launched this program in October, saying it intended to grant many of the first licenses to individuals with past drug convictions, and the system was meant to offer people harmed by the war on drugs a chance to succeed in the market before competitors rushed in. Lawyers for the state argued that over 1,000 retail storefronts were expected to be licensed this year, and they maintain that the state's application process allows out-of-state residents to prove that they reside in an area disproportionately impacted by cannabis prohibition. The moves were expected to boost the number of legal dispensaries in a market dominated by the black market sellers who simply operated retail stores without a license and critics blame New York's slow retail growth partly on bureaucratic issues like delays in setting up a $200 million social equity fund that never came to fruition and help applicants open shops. The rollout also was uh, hobbled by lawsuits on behalf of people and businesses excluded from the first wave of retail licenses. Well, 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 well. I wonder if this thing is going to stand, and I'm pretty sure that these guys will bring this up to appeal to a higher court or whatnot, but I'm going to digress, and I want to hear what y'all have to say because New York is just one hot mess. And this is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News. What do y'all think about this? I mean, I would like to make a recommendation that we stop covering New York stories until New York figures their shit out. Just saying. That's, I mean, I, I love New York. I love hot messes. <laughs> you love New York, too, point, but... You yeah. guys do have a lot of things going on right now that got to get worked through. Now, mm -hmm. forgive me if I'm wrong, but this is painted as her saying, like, like her being the bad guy, not letting out-of-state people in on this industry. But is it really her just saying that she wants people who have been impacted by prohibition first and then the rest of the people can come in? No, 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 because the, these is to, from my understanding, these people that filed the lawsuit were hurt by prohibition, but they were hurt by prohibition in Los Angeles. And they're saying that that they have a right to apply for these social equity licenses because um, there have oh. already been numerous rulings saying that state can't uh, <laughs> can't create restrictions on out of state applicants. And so I think right. that this is probably going to get rechallenged in, in, in a higher court because I don't think that the judge because it seems like the judge stri strictly ruled on this based on the fact that uh, that the illicit market has taken over New York and in an effort for them to open up more licensed retailers. So it doesn't seem like it's 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 codified by any type of uh, judicial credence, so to say. It's just based off of the fact that they want to open up more retail stores in a timely manner. Every, everybody We've seen these kinds of things. The shit out of uh, New, New York uh, cannabis. Mm -hmm. uh, these are people like out of California that are suing them. Yeah, Los Angeles, <laughs> it says. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I mean, mad at this. We've seen these kinds of things. We've seen these kinds of things get shot down. I mean, I, I'm sorry. We've seen these kinds of attacks on policy where mm -hmm. there's bans on people from outside the area be successful in other markets. And my prediction is that they will be able to get this because there's this notion that it affects commerce and this and that and the other. 
the thing is, is that the historic legacy market was national. There'd be no Brooklyn without Mendocino. There'd be no Humboldt without the tri-state area. And so there was a level of cooperation and interdependency that would lead me to believe that, yeah, you might be able to hail from that borough or that borough, but at the end of the day, I like the notion that Luke brought up, which is like, okay, if you're justice involved, let's look at prioritizing justice involved in a way that gives some preference to those who help pave the way without being so zip code focused. Mm -hmm. We like to use the term justice impacted. Justice mm -hmm. impacted. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with you, Yaro. I, I've, I don't think people should get social equity grants strictly on a zip code. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't believe that just because you lived in a certain part of the city that you were impacted negatively by cannabis. I know people that had no dealings with cannabis, law enforcement, or anything, and they've lived in the worst part of the cities. Mm -hmm. So we have, to, we have to craft these programs to be more focused on people who were impacted. Now, of mm -hmm. course, that is going to be in parts of the city. It's going to be predominantly in parts of the city that we're trying to help, right? But that's not only the factor. And I think when we say, okay, if you're from 95355 and you automatically qualify for social equity, well, there could be a large amount of people in there that have nothing to do with social equity that are now going to get put in front of the line to someone, I think the challenge line to someone else who perhaps is from Nevada, mm -hmm. but was impacted on a, in the, on a federal system and served 20 years for cannabis. Somebody from 95355 has nothing on their record, has no kind of impact. They get ahead of the line of that person. Now, that doesn't seem right to me. Do I have the answers to that? No, but it just on the face value doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. You, you, what were you going to say, Yarrow? I was just going to say, I think the challenge and what this notion of zip codes, disproportionately impacted areas, et cetera, was attempting to try to address is the idea that prohibition affected black and brown communities more than, and, and communities of poverty, but certainly communities that were black and brown and indigenous in ways that was much, much greater. And so we know that race-based programs are gonna get rolled back through litigation and, and challenges. And so the, the, the disproportionately impacted area was this way of trying to come up with uh, a non-color or race-based policy that ideally tried to achieve the same things, which was to give priority to communities that have been most affected. Yeah, so Yaro. like Luke, I don't have the solution. And like Luke, I can't tell you what the better approach is, but, I, but like Luke, I agree that there's some real gaps in how that actually is playing out and whether that's actually helping the people who deserve to have a head start. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I mean, but Yaro, don't you think that it could just be based on the fact of people having uh, 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 past convictions? I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that just make it a whole lot easier? Just saying, the only way you can apply for social equity is if you have a past conviction. Yeah, but then what about Let's the see. stepson of somebody, or what about the what about the aunt of somebody? You know, so so it, it should probably extend out into the families of people who've had past convictions. I, and then there's I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily like for all that. One removed, one removed, child or parent, yep. like immediately impacted. You know yep. what I'm saying? Not like three, three, three generations down the line. It could be like 
your biological child, your stepchild that you raised and were if you if, if you have financial responsibility for that child, you're saying, man. right? Yeah, and this is also let I'm me, saying let that, me that those those prisoners it affected families and so yes I, I agree if it's your second cousin three times removed who lives in you know that's different but but it but it but the war on drugs did affect families for sure a hundred percent i don't think anyone's trying to discredit discredit that 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 it that it disproportionately affected a large number but of families across just, the country we talk about, yeah sorry we talk about this all the time but social justice and and um social equity are not the same thing they are not the same thing in mm -hmm. this industry. And when we talk about social justice reform and we talk about becoming eligible for licensure and, and being able to get back on the track of creating some kind of wealth for your family, we're looking at those have been those that have been directly or one generation removed, impacted by the justice efforts in enforcing not having access to this plant. So if you are a child or a stepchild of someone or a direct parent, like that makes absolute sense. And I'm not talking even if you serve time, I'm talking about if you were charged for anything, mm -hmm. your life was impacted at some point. You had to hire a lawyer, you had to go to court, you had to do all these things. Even if you were found innocent, it was still a massive burden to you. Well, that's an interesting perspective, Mandy. That's very interesting if you're saying, you're saying that as long as you were charged, in a crime, whether whether you got a conviction or not, you're saying if you were charged with yeah, a crime. Yeah, conviction should be irrelevant. The charge in and of itself is a burden. I, I mean, I, I agree, agree with her going through the, I agree. You agree with that, Yarl? I do agree with that because going through the criminal, going through the criminal justice system is a sentence in and of itself. Mm -hmm. The uncertainty and ambiguity, the time away from work, having to dress up, peeing your pants your before, after, or during your court appearance, not getting to be able to go to sleep at night, having that one family member say, I told you so. I mean, it is, it is not. It is not a zero consequence process, and so the notion no, that it would have to rest not. on a conviction is too it's too narrow. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. I mean, listen, I I have had a situation where my bank account was completely levied, and I never got that money back. I, I never was. I've had that happen. I never was found guilty for anything. I just never saw that money again. Yeah, it's, I mean, they still take money. And it was life changing. Account. Like it was a life changing amount of money. Mm hmm. I believe that um, Matthew. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways, Jay, to be impact to be justice impacted, and that yeah. and it absolutely does have to extend to I would say at least the immediate family, you know, because you have situations like for for example, you have Robert Deals, who's an Air Force veteran who's serving a 18 year sentence in federal prison right now. Mm -hmm. His daughter is on the street right now. She's mm -hmm. looking to be involved in the industry. So under certain rules, Robert Deal's daughter wouldn't be able to qualify for social equity under certain states because it's not her who was directly impacted, mm -hmm. right? But I would argue that Robert Deal's daughter and the daughters of any parent who has been incarcerated behind cannabis, those children actually serve the heavier burden of the sentence. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, we are grown adults. We go into prison, we make our decisions, we're responsible for what we do, we, we handle our business, whatever. The kids didn't make those choices. Mm -hmm. And they have to go through daddy-daughter day and recitals and all these things without their mom, without their dad. 
and they have to navigate life and they often end up back into in the, the in, into the system. It's a vicious cycle of mass incarceration that ends up happening. And that is the part that has to stop because if we only focus on one minor part of the person who has been impacted and we don't look at all the collateral people and all the peripheral people that have been impacted by that person's life. And I'm and of course we can't just go all the way like you said third cousins and 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 all that nonsense, but Absolutely, a son or a daughter, a mom or a, or, or a brother, father, whoever, that had to really deal with the, the burden of the incarceration. I think that they absolutely should qualify for social equity. And anybody in the military, anybody in the military, I know we don't have like a lot of these programs crafted for people that get kicked out of the military or who, who uh, uh, be court-martialed into the military for, for possession of cannabis and use of cannabis. Um, I know tremendous or uh, a bunch of guys who have had that end up happening to them so my my heart goes out to them and we need to fix that too mm -hmm. because we can't just leave people who put it on the line for our country off to the side when we're talking about social equity and justice impacted because they they have been too so mm -hmm. you know that's that's my rant on the issue i'll, I'll let somebody else jump on and we're going to keep keep this rolling matthew st germain are you still with us I'm here. Saint Germain All right. still lives. All right. We're going to roll right on <laughs> in to Matthew St. Germain. He is the count of all counts who happens to be immortal, who is a funny time wizard and loves to hang around with the little pranksters that run around Sonoma County. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Matthew St. Germain. Thanks, y'all. I'm up here in Northern California surviving the flood right down the street from my brother Yarrow. Yeah. Um, I've got a, uh, I've got a, an article here that's pretty cool. It's about the Rhode Island House panel weighing a bill that would temporarily legalize psilocybin. So lawmakers on Rhode Island's House Judiciary Committee considered a bill on Thursday that would effectively legalize psilocybin mushrooms in the state. Temporarily, weird, removing penalties around possession, home cultivation, and my favorite, sharing of psilocybin until mid-2026. The proposal from Representative Brandon Potter would not establish a commercial retail system around the psychedelic, at least until after federal reform is enacted. Until then, it would exempt, exempt up to an ounce from the state's law against controlled substances, provided that it has been securely cultivated within a person's residence for personal use or is possessed by one person or shared by one person to another. I love this. So this measure is identical to a bill that passed the House last year, but the Rhode Island Senate did not move forward. I don't think it was that long ago that if I were to put a proposal like this forward, it would be thought of as very controversial, Potter told the panel on Thursday. But I think it's become much more popularized and people are well aware of it, especially when you see just like the abundance and overwhelming amount of clinical research and medical science that is promoting the effects this has on people. So far, Judiciary Commemorators have not taken formal action. Instead, they are receiving public testimony and having several question and answer periods. Quite frankly, if it were up to me, it would already be passed, but after a lengthy dialogue with the Department of Health, it was made clear that without looking for federal permission at some point, there wouldn't be support for an eventual enactment of a controlled medical process of how this would be legally prescribed. Fast forwarding down here, one lawmaker, Representative Thomas E. Norritt, said he voted against last year's bill and is planning to oppose the current bill, too. Drug-facilitated sexual assaults are on the increase. Huh? He said, also pointing to a brand university study that says sexual assault and dating violence, 90% of all campus rape occurs when alcohol and or drugs are used by a victim or assailant. So those are my objections to increasing that. 
you know, this just goes, I, I, it basically goes on to say Colorado and Oregon, as well as um, Oakland and other places have been decriminalized this. It's just disheartening to see once again that folks are are so mired in their misunderstanding of what psilocybin does to think that you could really use that to facilitate any type of date rape or sexual violence, especially for the, you know, someone trying to perpetrate it. However, this is pretty good news, pretty much good news for me. One thing I'd like to point out uh, before handing this over is um, one of the things that we're seeing in, in the use uh, and spreading of psilocybin mushrooms is that they have done a similar thing that cannabis is, is attempting to do as, as well, which is to short circuit the profit motive in the capitalist system. Cannabis took you know, 40, 50 years to get to a point where it's nearly commodity-based and everyone has access to it and it's legal. Mushrooms followed the same arc in about a two-year time period where they went from seven to $1,200 a pound to nearly impossible to sell for any price, at least out here on the West Coast. And I think that's another important thing to take note about mushrooms is they're urging us to get away from fear, get away from the profit motive, and get into our humanness, our family-ness, our generativity with each other, and our sharing. That being said, I'm looking forward to a lot more medical and scientific information coming out showing the efficacy and safety of these substances. And I'm really excited to hear what you guys think about this Rhode Island bill, my fellow correspondents. Uh, this is Matthew St. Germain floating down the river for the High at Nine News in Sonoma County. Take it away, guys. Uh, Matthew, I don't understand what they mean by temporarily legalized. Can you kind of expand on what they mean by that? They mean not even legalized as much as decriminalized until 2026. And I think that they're making that a somewhat random benchmark, figuring that maybe the federal government will get their ass in gear and get them uh, legalized either medically and or decriminalized by 2026. These people. So it would be crazy. one of those things where they would. They would be one of those things where they would revisit it in 2026 for a revote based on you know what's happened in the in the ensuing couple of years. Well, wouldn't they have to kind revisit like it? Wouldn't they have to the revisit Patriot it in 2025? Act. You guys the... Wouldn't they have to revisit it in 2025? In order to in order to get it, they would have, it, it, they would have to probably yes they would okay. probably have to start getting the ball rolling in twenty twenty five that All is right. uh, that makes sense okay just wanted yes, to make sure that we're understanding yeah. this correctly here yeah Mr Saint um, and and what we're seeing first, about these what we're seeing about these substances is there's no LD fifty the LD fifty is the amount of a substance that it takes to kill a human being mm -hmm. there's no LD fifty for psilocybin or psilocin it's impossible to kill yourself with it it causes neurogenesis. Uh, which means the actual growth of neurons. It causes increased neuroconnectivity. It causes a cessation of depression. One of the most recent studies that's been uh, putting out really positive information is actually psilocybin for low back pain. And what they're finding is a lot of back pain is actually uh, psychological, psychosomatic, emotional pain due to traumas and other ways that folks are uh, have armoring in, in their bodies to protect them from, you know, past events, et cetera. And so the use of psilocybin is actually causing a healing of back pain that was heretofore untreatable by opioids, yoga, and or other modalities. I can completely get behind that. I mean, I've never actually read or heard anything like that, but it is something that I have pondered to myself because... I have had a unfortunate car accident that's left me with some serious neck issues. And there is a lot of healing 
in a good psilocybin dose and some yoga and meditation like i have many like far fewer headaches um much less like body tension when i actually utilize psilocybin and and i've i've wondered if there was some kind of correlation at some point so that's interesting i need some psilocybin right. for a pain in my ass i bet i bet they call you the conquistador <laughs> Wait, did you just say you wanted to stick a mushroom in your boom? That, boom? That's what I heard. That's what I heard exactly, Yaro. That's exactly. Okay. So, so, you guys are I, hilarious. Okay, there's a couple things I want hey, to chime in I on. I do want to comment on this real quick. St. Germain, I love Did you say you put your thing. comment in on it or you thing. put your thumb it, in? Bro. It, <laughs> I, I feel like you are running the level four yard up in high desert right now. Looking super hard right there, bro. I would do anything you say. You can let I will hold the shanks or whatever, bro. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. Kindly appreciated, brother Luke. You know, my, my hope is that we all go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew. Oh, I was just gonna say my hope is that we all continue, you know, as as many of us are are emotionally and psychologically grounded and able to access these these substances in a way that is, you know, safe for all. We continue to access these while remembering they're not the thing in and of itself. They're like the magic feather that Dumbo used to fly. They are a tool to point us to the greatness that is within ourselves to help us release ourselves from fear. Remember that we are a human family and begin to navigate on this planet in a more equitable fashion. Because like I keep harping on, I think we can all see that the current mode and system is not working. To, to, in, in case, in fact, I spent the entire New Year's Eve, boy, did I do a lot of mushrooms. And all I was 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 pounded with is how do we make class cl consciousness and class struggle fun and approachable and not another one of these cult of personality murder trips like, he, like it keeps happening? Because what we can really see is so many of these things that are being put in front of us, Democrat, Republican, you're gay, you're straight, you're Christian, you're not, you're black, you're white, you're Mexican, et cetera. These are all impediments to our unity. And when mm -hmm. we really begin to unify and we begin to see that we are a human family, some real important and logical precepts make themselves known. Number one, there's a group of folks that stole just about everything, our birthright of our resources from this land and have continued to hoard them and not share them for the past couple thousand years. We need to find a way to reach and approach those people so they can begin letting everyone have a seat at the table so that we can stop the constant murder and warfare. And if I'm wrong and the current system is working for you, well, please let me know. But what I see is the current system is not only not working for myself, it's not working for nearly every single person I know and every single person they know as well. When we, and when we, when we dial this back, man, we're all from here. We are all a family. We begin, we need to begin to act like a goddamn family. I love everybody who watches this show. I love you all my correspondents, whether our minds are aligned or not. I know that our hearts are aligned. I know that you are a family and I know that we can all do better together. Well said, Matthew St. Germain. On that, we're going to go to a commercial, and we are going to be right back. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And 
with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated oh yeah that's right in stop whatever you're doing make sure you hit that like button make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed already and all the articles that we cover on today's show you can read directly on our website at www.hyanine i'm jason beck and this is smoky vanilla and if you want to feel as good as i look then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with smoky vanilla that's right baby i'm smoky vanilla with my background in kinesiology I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport, or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke, because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Oh, yes. Coming up next. That's right. It's the happy couple. That's right. We have Mandy and Luke. Are you guys delivering your story together? You know it, baby. Oh, we got man. Carmen Sacramento and Outlaw. Oh, um, yeah. Really? We got a double dose for you guys. Coming up, we have Miss Mandy Tingler and Luke Scarmazzo. Yeah. So today, guys, we got a story. That's coming out of the feds. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a little dose of it. Headline reads, the DOJ seeks White House approval for updated marijuana pardon certificate form under Biden's expanded proclamation. Wow. Remember the proclamation that meant nothing. OK, we're going to expand that to more of nothing. <laughs> more nothing. The Justice Department is seeking White House approval to update its data collection process related to marijuana pardon certificates that it's issuing under the president's recently expanded clemency proclamation. In a notice published in the Federal Register on Friday, DOJ's Office of the Pardon Attorney said it's requesting authorization to gather information about people who are applying for pardon certificates under the proclamation President Joe Biden issued in December for those who've committed federal cannabis possession offenses, including cases that took place on federal lands. And don't forget, that also includes attempted possession for all of those people who have the attempted federal possession. Yep. The department has already been collecting data on certificate applicants in the initial round of pardon recipients under Biden's earlier 2022 cannabis pro pardon proclamation. But it needs the White House office management and budget to authorize additional information gathering under the expanded clemency move in order to, quote, provide statistical analysis of the demographics of pardon recipients and applicants. I can provide that for him. <laughs> no. A 60-day public comment period will open starting on Friday for interested parties to provide feedback on the practical utility of the request, the accuracy of its estimated burden of the data collection, and possible improvements to the proposed process. 
It says the second proclamation expanded the statutes of conviction eligible for a pardon. The circumstances under which eligible persons have been pardoned and the time frame covered by the pardon, the notice says. Hold on, babe. Did it say it expanded the charges that were qualified? It does. Go ahead. Consequently, the numbers of persons eligible to apply for a certificate proving the pardon has also increased. Importantly, there is a there is virtually no change to the burden that an individual applicant will will occur, incur, DOJ said. The applicants will continue to be asked about their citizenship. The court had the court that had jurisdiction over their case and demographic information, for example, the filing says that it expects to take an average of 120 minutes for people to fill out the pardon certificate application and provide the necessary information for their requests to be processed. People who are eligible for these pardons don't apply, don't need to apply for a certificate. Relief is automatic, but the administration wanted to give individuals an opportunity to have it formally documented if they desire was quick to open the updated applications and has already begun issuing certifications. Hold on, time out. So what they're saying is these pardons automatically happen. That's what they're saying. And they're creating this whole form process and hiring people to oversee it and creating the, the creation of this form for nothing. I mean... Just so somebody can have a certificate. We shall see. Here we go. Says the DOJ said in its new notice that it expects, quote, the new proclamation has approximately doubled the potential applicant pool, meaning roughly 13,000 people may be eligible. However, the expectation is that 1,500 applicants annually for certificates is a reasonable projection. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Sorry. That's just really funny to me. The president's pardon itself is largely symbolic, signaling the administration's position that low-level marijuana cases should not be prosecuted. A pardon doesn't expunge records, and people aren't required to obtain the certification, but it represents an official acknowledgment that the relief has been granted. Yet Biden has repeatedly claimed otherwise, including during a campaign event in South Carolina last week, where he falsely suggested that his act of clemency, quote, expunged records and that people were released from prison. Well, he wasn't he didn't he didn't falsely suggest that. That's actually what he said. He's just remembering what he actually said. And they're getting mad because they're like, oh, Biden, don't say that. Remember, we're not supposed to actually say you're going to expunge records because you promised that and then didn't do it. You're reminding We're people thinking that. about looking into it or yeah. something along those lines. <laughs> As advocates have also pointed out, there are still people in federal prison over other nonviolent marijuana offenses. They pushed the Biden administration to do more, including keeping his key cannabis campaign pledge to decriminalize marijuana. The president hasn't indicated a willingness to promote decriminalization over his first three years in office, though he did direct an administration review into cannabis scheduling that's ongoing. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has recommended moving marijuana from Schedule 1 to 3, as many of you have heard here. And meanwhile, by repeatedly touting his mass cannabis, and po cannabis pardon, it seems Biden is aware of the political popularity of marijuana reform.
And a recent poll suggests that he stands to gain significantly in terms of favorability if his scheduling directive results in a reclassification under federal law. It found that voters' impression of the president jumped a net 11 points after hearing about the possible implications of the rescheduling review. And that includes an 11-point favorability swing among voters ages 18 to 25, who will be very critical in his reelection bid. Now, you guys, I've said over and over that I think this could be a Democrat's ticket to keeping the office. But there's a lot of bullshit up in this story. And I'm excited to hear what the rest of you guys have to say. Yeah, me too. But let me just jump in and say this, though. President Biden, you are uniquely positioned to correct this mass incarceration and the war on cannabis. A lot of the bills that a lot of our brothers and sisters that are in federal prison serving their sentence right now were either sponsored or pushed forward by you and your party during the time of mass incarceration. Sir, you are uniquely positioned to be able to change this. So we are asking the president to please follow through on your campaign promise to release all people who are incarcerated for cannabis and expunge their records. Both sides of the aisle agree on this. The American people agree on this. Mr. President, we are waiting on you. We're all looking. Yes, man, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. You know, I, I, I don't think that they're, that, you know, this is just more of the same from the administration. I don't think anyone should ever expect the architect of the stri- three strikes law to, and to, you know, to do anything about this other than just more lip service. Basically what you guys are saying is, is exactly what they're doing. They're, they're not going to change anything. They want to move it to schedule three, which is going to have major implications on everybody, eliminate all social equity whatsoever. And, and, and so this is just more, more, more of the same of them trying to put lipstick on a pig and shove it down the American people's throat. Yeah. I mean, this is his legacy, right? It's like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Saint Germain, I think Yar- we're talking. Y- Yarrow or Saint Germain, are you with us? Yarrow or Saint Germain? Did we lose them? Uh, we might have lost them. We just uh, first oh, of all, Saint go. Germain, are you done? Are you done being mushy over mushrooms? Can we talk about this article now? You know how I get Yarrow. I, you get all <laughs> you get all caught up in your feelings about it. I so, do, brother. Uh, yeah, no, and for those that didn't see that amazing holiday episode, you just took a monster heroic dose on screen. Y'all need to go back for the rest of the Hyatt Nine News archives. <laughs> I mean, this, this right? You know, Biden is continuing to demonstrate press releases that have the lowest amount of recipients or constituents that it actually affects. And so when they say that this will double the number, you know, when you go from one person to two people, you've doubled the number. And when you're talking about, (laughs) when you're talking about thousands instead of hundreds of thousands, you're still nibbling around the edges of what it takes to truly create some change and to address what's already happened. And so my challenge is, first of all, if if the certificate does not include gold foil around the edges, Edges, then that would be a would be a real problem because I think all certificates need a little gold foil, right? And so I think the certificate <laughs> should read, "My dumb Democratic president 
continued to pander to the optics, got a certificate as a result. And I hope that the certificate also includes a bumper sticker for the parent that says my son was you know, got the certificate <laughs> from dumbass Biden. <laughs> Biden. <laughs> Oh, man. Can you imagine? You know, I'd like to use this as just a total, uh, to make a total, uh, to use a chess move, to make a zugzwang totally sideways to say, why don't we all vote for Robert F. Kennedy? He's got a platform based on drug decriminalization, home ownership for the American people, closing military bases overseas, restoring equity to the American economy, voluntary vaccination instead of mandatory vaccination um i could go on at like also civil rights and respect for indigenous americans and finding ways to make reparations both to the civil uh the black brown people of color as well as the american indigenous communities i don't agree with everything the dude says i think he has some wacky ideas but one thing i'll tell you is he's a real honest human being who cares about the environment has a decades-long track record as an environmental lawyer and cares about america and americans everybody go to kennedy 24 look up his platform listen to cnn and msnbc and fox news the corporate media on both sides that want you to vote for two wings of the same shitbird that's going to continue to use social issues to give all of the money and resources to the landed wealthy class Look at Robert F. Kennedy, look at his platform, find if you agree or disagree with him, and make an appropriate decision. The brother is already almost polling at 30% in a race versus Trump and Biden. Not only could we use his candidacy to help the American people, we could use it to begin crushing the two-party system and creating something more along the lines of a fair and open system that works for all Americans. And on that, and then is- the question is, and the question is, can anybody from a family with that legacy be for the common man, right? Like, I would like to vote for somebody who is not from the ruling elite, right? And I just separate for because I can't debate the merits of his plank because I haven't read all of his positions yet. But I'm still going to talk some smack at high and nine news. That is my role. <laughs> and so the question right. is, you know, he came from a, a don't, the, the, the greatest Kennedy is the one that's three or four generations dead, which was the bootlegger, right? And then they became... Joe presidents and attorney generals and sexual assaulters and people who you know ran vehicles off the road and people died but they didn't get in any trouble and i, I just want to know like has 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 this kennedy ever struggled to cover a power bill has this kennedy ever known what it was like to not be able to buy something in the grocery store that their child wanted because they couldn't afford it has this kennedy like a grape like a person like any plant has this kennedy ever had to struggle in order to create character, grit, and resolve, and to understand what the typical plight of the average American is. Well, we can start with the fact that his dad and uncle were both murdered in front of his face when he was still in single digits as a child. His uncle was murdered for wanting to disband the CIA and dismantle the military-industrial complex. His uncle then, I'm sorry, his father was Robert F. Kennedy was then murdered in order to continue the cover-up of John F. Kennedy's assassination and because he also wanted to attack the same military industrial state as well as the mafia and the CIA. And again, I get it. We don't have we don't have somebody of the people who's broke AF 
and, and and up there running because of the way our system is created. But if you look at Robert Kennedy's history, he started the River Keepers Alliance. He started the Ocean Keepers Alliance. He is his acts and actions are directly responsible for rivers and oceans and coasts around our country being cleaner than they ever have been before. He is directly responsible for an uptick in the health of average Americans who live near these resources. And I challenge you and everyone listening to look at and read his platform and tell me if you agree and or disagree with his political platform of homeownership for average Americans, of blocking BlackRock and these other large hedge funds and, and multinational uh, 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 financial cartels from buying up all of our houses and using them as a resource instead of for housing average Americans, which is why we see a record number of homeless people on the streets, of closing overseas military bases and stopping foreign intervention to steal resources from other people of respect for the indigenous communities and the black, brown, and, and, and other people of color and finding ways to make right what we have done wrong to those communities. And I we, challenge everybody, and I'm really willing to listen to this. Hold on, Matt. You can hit me up on Instagram at Team Pleasant, or you can hit us up in the comments. Go ahead. Yeah, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Get ready for the 20-year anniversary celebration of the Emerald Cup. The Emerald Cup will be held at the Henry J. Kaiser Center for the Arts in downtown Oakland, May 4th and 5th. Get your tickets now for best pricing. Cannabis categories include flour, three rolls, solventless concentrates, solvent concentrates, cartridges, edibles, topicals, tinctures, and alternative cannabinoids. So enter early for your chance to be a winner at the 20-year anniversary Emerald Cup competition. Oh, yes, and we're back, and we're going to roll right on in to Mr. Yarrow Kubrin. That's right. He's the Sonoma man who loves to do cannabis, real estate, and every now and again, cannabis and real estate, and won't let the internet get him down. Joining us by phone, it is, that's right, the Sebastopol Saint, Mr. Yarrow Kubrin. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Like Matthew St. Germain, I am here in very, very moist Sonoma County, and the power is out, the generators are running, but we are a resilient rural community, and a few generators and extension cords could never keep me back from participating here on High at Nine News. But if you hear the hum in the background, that's us keeping it rural and keeping the power running. So my article today is from Marijuana Moment, and it is about Maryland. So without further ado, let me kick this off. Maryland senators took up two GOP-led marijuana bills on Friday, one that would let police search vehicles based on the smell of cannabis and another that's meant to protect gun rights for medical marijuana patients. Members of the Senate Judicial Proceedings Committee discussed the legislation during a hearing, listening to testimony and support and opposition, but did not vote on the proposals. Senator William Folden is sponsoring the bill to authorize law enforcement searches based on marijuana odor, a measure he says attempts to correct a wrong, an error that the legislator, legislature made when it passed reform legislation that was enacted last year to specifically prevent such searches given that the state has legalized marijuana. If the smell of cannabis is emitted from a car, that's a strong indicator that person is in violation of the law and potentially impaired at the time, Folden said, adding that this strong odor is definitely discernible by law enforcement and those in the community. 
two county prosecutors also testified in favor of the measure. But drug policy reform advocates, including the ACLU, Maryland Public Policy Director, Yannette Emanuel, defended the current policy that bars police from conducting a cannabis odor based on searches. The proponents of SB 396 have said that banning odor stops and searches will, banning odor stops and searches will impede law enforcement's ability to investigate incidents of impaired driving, but that's simply not true, she said. The law makes it explicit that the odor of marijuana cannot be considered as part of the totality of circumstances to support the officer's observations of suspected impairment. The odor of marijuana simply cannot be the sole basis for a stop to investigate driving under the influence. What police do is use the alleged odor of marijuana to justify racial profiling. She said, diligent law enforcement can and should be used to solve crime using honest-based initiatives and techniques without relying on a potential basis such as the odor of marijuana for stopping and searching black and brown people or Yarrow. Last November, the Maryland Legislature Joint Republican Caucus previewed their push to undo the prohibition on odor-based searches, claiming that the law had put motorists at risk and taken away an important tool used by law enforcement to seize people's firearms. At Friday's hearing, members also briefly considered a separate proposal from Senator Mike McKay that would protect the rights of registered medical cannabis patients to buy, own, and carry firearms under state law. The issue has been raised in multiple state legislatures and federal courts in recent years as marijuana and gun right advocates challenge the constitutionality of the federal ban that currently prohibits cannabis consumers from owning firearms. Just last month, a neighboring Pennsylvania, a district attorney filed suit against the Justice Department over the ban that he says violates the Second Amendment right of medical cannabis patients such as himself. The issue was previously raised in the Maryland legislature around this time last year with the House Judiciary Committee holding a hearing on a separate but related measure to ensure medical marijuana patients' gun rights are protected. So let me just kick off real quick with a little riff, ramble, and rant. So if we can't see the irony in the, in the Republicans in Maryland supporting gun rights for medical marijuana patients, but also suggesting that being able to stop a car and search it based on the odor of marijuana would be good to enforce against people who have guns. If we can't see the irony on the face of that, if we can't laugh at the hypocrisy of that, and if we can't in our hearts be deeply pained by the flip-flopping, reversing, the tic-tacking, the course-correcting of this senator who suggested that they got it wrong and is asking for ways to continue to infringe upon people's rights against unreasonable search and seizure, the only remedy in my mind is vote them out, hold them accountable. The idea, so first of all, personally, I'm in favor of medical marijuana patients being able to have guns. I'm also in favor of the smell of marijuana not being probable cause. I think that if we were going to talk about marijuana odor as probable cause, it would be no different than if someone accidentally spilled some wine in their vehicle as they were loading up some catering equipment. Does the smell of wine in a vehicle become probable cause? I don't know. I'm not a legal expert, but it is painful to me to see that we're still litigating and adjudicating these issues when they're really non-issues. And then what I pull away from this and think about is like, why are we wasting time and resources as if this is the biggest concern in this state? Why are they putting up these types of, uh, rev you know, these, these types of uh, 
backtracking legislations when that bandwidth, that legislative bandwidth could most likely be used on things that have a greater benefit for a greater number of constituents. This is Yarrow Coburn, high at nine news and wet in Sonoma County. Oh, oh what do you guys think? man, Yarrow. I mean, this is like, it's like good news and bad news all in this, all in the same story. It's a good story. Yeah. This, yeah. You know, like I, I'm, I'm really glad that they're trying to protect the, the, the gun rights of, of, of cannabis, can, cannabis users and patients and whatnot. But the fact of them trying to bring back the ability to search vehicles based off of odor is just kind of like, you know, you guys already gave that up. So why are we trying to go back to someone is definitely getting paid by law enforcement because this smells like the police union fingerprints all over it. It sounds like they're getting money from the NRA, but not from the ACLU. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And you know what's, what's sad in this situation? And, and Yaro, you hit it right on the head on saying, like, don't we have better things in this state to focus on and to use our resources on? But one of the saddest things is that the tool that law enforcement uses of being able to say, oh, I smelled weed in a car or in a home, and then being able to enter it and then search, and then usually ends up in an arrest, and usually of a black or a brown or a poor person, uh, is is one of the most racist and uh, prejudicial and tools that they use, law enforcement use in profiling during the whole war on drugs. You could get, in my, in my experience, growing up in, Modesto, you could get pulled over for anything during the 90s and your car smelled like weed mm -hmm. and you were on the curb yep. and everything was getting taken out of your car. And that was a common tactic that law enforcement used all the time. So please, please do not get this wrong on this and roll that back to, to implement another tool for people who are still drug warriors and still have racist tendencies to be able to use that to harm the community. That is not something that is a benefit of the community. There's a reason that we stopped doing it. So please do not roll that back. But everything else, I'm, I'm with it. Our, our gun rights should not be affected if you're a cannabis user. That has no bearing on your right to, to bear arms. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and and, and let's that. take it a step further. And let's take it a step further. If expungement does not include the reinstatement of the Second Amendment right, then expungement doesn't go far enough. I'm sorry, Biden, Biden, but your little plaque and certificate, if it does not reinstate someone's Second Amendment rights, if somebody can get convicted for cannabis at 18 years old and at 78 years old can't go duck hunting in the Sacramento Delta with their grandchildren, then we have not gone far enough. And when I think about this law here in Maryland, and I think about them reinstating odor as probable cause. What I think about is not just the impact to people in vehicles, people who didn't likely deserve to be searched, and people who are going to pick up funky little charges and piece of shit cases as a result. I also think about the cost to the taxpayer when it comes to training the next wave of cadets and the police force in Maryland. Are they still going to train them on odor as probable cause? Are they still going to pay for the Belgian Malinois and German Shepherds to, to use the smell of marijuana as a reason to bark? Think about all of the downstream expenses that get put into this pipeline of training our men and women in blue and all that gets allocated towards doing that merely to smell something that is legal to possess within that state mm -hmm. the yeah. underbelly of the cost of the war on cannabis agreed agreed i agree with the, i agree with the, uh with both you guys on on this and uh in essence the time 
we hey have guys. one more story we, for you guys. Oh yeah, can go we ahead. bring our favorite gun to work next Monday? Yes. Yes. Are you? Fuck yes. Yeah, are, are we doing the doing Matthew the Saint Germain, the most peaceful, loving gun nut you've ever met? Yeah, See? I'm gonna bring my favorite. See, gun. even Matthew Saint Germain is with this. No yeah, he, even Matthew Saint Germain is with no guns. I'm not around any guns. <laughs> We, we we know we we know that we know that Luke we 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 trust Luke, Luke yeah. you can have you can have a paintball gun. Yeah. I would not be surprised if Matthew Saint Germain's boomstick. I would not be surprised if Matthew Saint Germain's boomstick is etched and engraved with mushrooms along the side of the barrel. Oh, oh what a good idea! Oh, oh God! <laughs> all right, all right, you guys. I I, I got, I'm going to close out with this last story for for you guys. You guys, everyone's been wanting to hear about this. Okay. This is in regards to the viral video that got released late, late, late last week because there was a viral video highlights how non-payment is sinking cannabis businesses. And just for uh, disclosure, we do have the video, but because the video was not legally obtained, I don't believe that we have the rights to play it. So um, we we're not going to play it. But even even in the article that I took, they didn't even put a link to the video so that people could see it because they didn't feel that it Play was it. appropriate. Play it anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell all the people in the chat, please don't post the video in the chat. Please do not post the video in the chat. Right now, yeah. do not go on to the chat and post the video. But pretty much everyone in the cannabis has struggled to get paid at some point in time. For many operators, the problem can have serious consequences, particularly small brands giving products to retailers on terms and counting on the money they're due to survive another day. The issue has been top of mind as of late, particularly in California. One of the state's biggest weed distributors, Herbal, flooded, uh, folded in the middle of 2023, leaving countless brands and retailers in the lurch. Later that year, delivery service Grassdoor abruptly ceased operations. Many brands wondered if they would ever receive payment for their goods. Things came to a head last week when a video of a dispensary chain owner seemingly bragging about saving money by not paying mom and pop brands went viral, saying they're going under anyway. The video, which was likely taken and dis dismantled without consent, could have been taken out of context. However, the manner in which the operator was speaking struck a nerve with the cannabis community, especially at a time when family farms are going under and town in the Emerald Village are on the brink. Many on social media called for a boycott of the chain and the uh, blacklisting of the operator. Others came to his defense saying they were paid on time, regardless of the fact that the episode begs a bigger question. Is non-payment a symptom of bigger problems plaguing the cannabis industry? And more so, what can be done to rectify the situation? Overregulation, aggressive taxation, lack of funding, and marketing censorship are just some of the things preventing the space from thriving. It's almost as if legal cannabis was doomed from the jump. Unfortunately, not much is being done to fix the incredibly broken system, and any potential help seems light years away. When Wall Street hedge funds and airlines take a hit, they get bailouts, but no one's bailing out the cannabis industry. Some argue that the failure of cannabis companies would never have the same ripple effect as a major financial institution, but the economic impact is still considerable. Weed is a multi-billion dollar business employing over 428,000 people nationwide, according to MJ Biz Daily, and for every $10 spent in a dispensary, another $18 will be injected into the economy. 
often at the local level. Despite these facts, the powers that continue to keep the these, despite these facts, the powers that be continue to keep the industry down. There's no excuse for not paying people, but perhaps if the cannabis industry were designed to succeed, this problem wouldn't be happening. If so-called mom-and-pop brands were set up for success, retailers wouldn't be banking on their closure to save a buck. And some lawmakers are trying to offer their version of a life raft with descheduling or rescheduling a promise of hope. However, operators need help now before things reach critical mass. Uh, All this point... At this point, something's got to give. Perhaps the legislators and regulators understood the impact of their indifference. They would be more moved to act, or maybe they never cared about weed to begin with. And I want to thank our very own Rochelle Gordon for putting this piece together. Um, very, very much appreciated. And uh, what do you guys think about this? This whole video with uh, off the charts with the owner saying that, you know, not to pay not to pay small time vendors because they're probably just going to go out of business by the time their bills are due anyway. What, what, what do you guys have to say about this? Man, it's just proof of what we've I been seeing it. happen all along. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah go ahead. I watched that video and I was like disgusted with it. It was almost like watching like a movie and watching like, like an evil Disney villain or something like mm-hmm. talk about how they're going to just, you know, destroy the village. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, was this a, some yeah. sick, it was just sick I, I, to have an individual like that at the helm of a company only tells me what that culture of that company probably is. Because in most companies, the culture is top down. And when you have an individual like that, that is causing suffering and preying on the smaller companies and and preying on the smaller businesses and hoping that they go out of business so that he can steal their inventory. That is despicable to me. And not mm-hmm. only is that despicable, it's not a form of business. You're just a thief. You're not a businessman. And your whole company is a bunch of thieves, if you ask me. So that's my personal opinion on it. Anybody who uh, has any association with that company or any dealings with that company should immediately cease. Because you see the yeah, underbelly I mean, of Luke, and he looks. Luke, Luke hit the nail on the head, right? And it's it, it, it it's a way of thinking that I also agree with, which is like the fallout for people who are affiliated or do business with this company will likely be extreme, and anybody who has interests will likely want to distance themselves in a very meaningful way. There's no way in God's green earth that that video can be taken out of context. There is no alternative context. Let's be really, really clear about that. Now, I did business with this person when I was the director of real estate uh, at a previous cannabis development company, and he was not challenging to work with. He was professional, but we didn't have any reason for him to want to bite the hand that was feeding him as we were giving him retail eligible locations, right? So everybody's on their best behavior when they have the reason to be on their best behavior. But I think Luke really, really touched on it, which is there's no way, there's no way that anybody can afford to be affiliated because this is the kind of thing that only happens in regulated cannabis. In unregulated cannabis, this guy would not be here to talk like that. He would have been taken care of. Somebody would have done something related to some IOUs, and this guy would have had some serious repercussions and consequences. And so probably the reason why we can't post the video is because it looks like it was taken from security footage internal from 
from a conference room. That's but correct. there is no way, there is no way this can be taken with any other context other than the obvious based on the words that are coming out of this person's mouth. And so this person said the quiet part out loud. They revealed who they are, how they approach the industry, and what they really think. And unfortunately for anybody who's doing business with him, I don't think this one is going away in a 24-hour or 48-hour or even one-week news cycle. And I think the people who do business with this company and with this person are going to be forced to distance themselves. And I don't think that that's a terrible thing because, again, I think in an under-regulated or unregulated industry, this guy would have got his ass beat and then some. Mm. Now, uh, Yarrow, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, because you said you said there's absolutely no way that this could be taken out of context. Um, what if prior to he was actually telling a story about someone else? You would not waste no. your time with six people around a table all on the clock running your business in a conference room to tell stories. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That's not the nature of the he video. Actually, he actually quotes money, actual dollar amounts that they saved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, Ouch. when I first heard the video, when I watched the footage, you know, of course I'm deeply rooted in, in championing women owned businesses. Right. And, um, something that is very interesting and telling is I don't know a single woman operated company in cannabis anywhere in the U S or beyond that it is considered, you know, big, they're all small operated companies. And last year, when we threw the very first California cannabis uh, women's competition, we had 35 brands submit, 35. This year, less than half of those businesses are still standing. This year's competition had 65, no, 64 entries, bunch of newcomers. It'll be very telling to see what happens when they're here next year or if they are. There is such a significant number of women owned and operated businesses that they go into these dispensaries. We are asked to front product and get paid on the back end. And then we have to fight for our money. And some of the biggest operators in the state are guilty of this. So I'm glad we caught somebody on video finally bragging about this as a method and it's not an accident this guy knew exactly what he was doing it's not taken out of context um and he he really ought to be blackballed and, and same with anybody else who is supporting his decision making um to sit on camera and to not even on camera for he didn't know he was being video but to sit there and to brag as that being one of your methods of maintaining your business mm -hmm. deserve to lose your business Interesting. Any, any, any final free, thoughts? It's the free market, Jason, right? It's yeah, the free market. It, it is the free market. Out. It is the free market. I think, I, I think the free market would, but at the same time too, I don't think that the average cannabis consumer that shops at retail stores is paying attention or even has this on any of, of their radar to begin with. And so that- You are correct. But I will say this, it's not the average cannabis consumer that's going to have the effect here. It's all the ancillary businesses around off the charts. Mm -hmm. So all the brands, all the uh, distros. distros, all the cultivators, everybody that has a tie to them, that's where that's where the faucet is. <laughs> all right, that's where so the faucet's I, gonna I, get I have, cut off. Well, I have one more question for you then, Luke. Um, if it's going to get cut off that way, let's kind of just play this out a little bit. Um, uh, if, if let's just assume that OTC is 
paying its its bills and so let's just for for the sake because they in the video they say that they they pay their top 30 brands or whatever the the, the big ones that they right. know that are stable and so i i assume right. i assume that in your comments you're 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 referring to these 30 type of brands to pull their resources Absolutely. from from their store Am i'm I correct calling on out that? personally every single brand that messes with off the chart if you are a brand yeah. that is being paid by off the charts why other women owned minority owned and small businesses are being having their throats cut at your at your benefit at your benefit please mm -hmm. stop doing it please stop feeding that machine and please separate yourself from from nefarious business <laughs> like that it's not a good look so I, I have a question stand by, stand by your fellow operators please I, so so i have a question luke um, would it be necessarily the smartest thing to do in the distributors uh, in these different distribution companies that would be bringing these different 30, 30 brands or so uh, to, to this, retailers? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Would, would it be in their business if OTC is one of the paying stores for their brands when when not paying vendors is is happening across, you know, all, all retails across the state? I hear what you're saying, and, and that's absolutely a consideration that that would be made right but also you you have to understand that he said he's paying the top 30 brands mm -hmm. which is the mm -hmm. big dogs right mm -hmm. the big dogs can afford to not mess with off the charts yeah with the big dogs stars. are getting money all over the state you can afford to not mess with off the starts and take a stand mm -hmm. put 10 toes down on this issue and take a stand and the rest of the community will be behind you yep mm -hmm. look at that yarrow matthew you guys with us I'm yeah, just listening. Okay. Luke's making Luke Mandy making perfect sense. I'm a hundred percent with Luke. A hundred percent with Luke. I think when Luke said what he just said, he spoke in so many ways for so many of us. And I would just take it one step further. You don't affiliate with people who don't support small brands, especially social equity and women brands, but all of the small brands and stop getting a picture taken with convicted rapists. The, the industry needs to expect more from the people it does business with. And we have to have a set of standards. Standards are the minimum glue, the mortar between the bricks that hold us together. And people have to ask themselves, what are their standards? And if their standard is just about the dollar, and so they do business with this company, that says too much about them. And I agree with Luke. I think he said it perfectly. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I will say this in, 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 in OTC's defense, they did come out with some type of a comment on social media afterwards saying that they would be paying all, all of the brands that they owe money to. So ultimately, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. So if, if, if you are a small brand that has not been paid by OTC, make sure that you reach out to us and 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 maybe and and, and yeah. we'll put together some type of story in regards to that um if if that if, if that ends up happening to be the case because we want to make sure that uh that, that that small mom and pop businesses definitely get their get their money and, and what is deserved to them we know it's a very very tough market out there and inflation doesn't help and and the the ceo of off the charts if you feel like you were taken out of context then come on high at nine yeah and and you're, you're more than yourself. welcome yeah you're more than welcome to come on we'll do a special little thing in regards in, in regards to that and uh yeah we'd be more than happy to have you on if, if if you know if you wanted to do that as well as give us permission to play the tape so then that way you can uh have have the uh, the proper you know proper propers on That's everything you were taken out of yes, context exactly Exactly. Yeah. Well, on that, we are going to close out today's show. Thank you all so much for joining us. Hi at Nine News, America's number one daily cannabis news show. Thank you to all of our sponsors, our correspondents, and Yarrow and, and Matthew St. Germain. 
and Adam with the technical support over here, figuring out a way to get Matthew and Yarrow to join us today, seeing as how their internet is out because of this big old storm that we're facing. And so, thank you all. Not our internet, our power. Yes, it's our the same electricity. Thing. Same thing. <laughs> same thing. Same thing, Yarrow. Yarrow, yeah. what you got to do is you got to hop the you fence have... and run an extension cord to your neighbor's electricity. Yeah, they're, they're all out. No, the whole thing, the whole, the whole thing is out. Yeah, they, they, they'd have I to mean, run I... an extension cord to like three counties down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but th- thank you guys all. We appreciate your time and thank you all for getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show.